0: Download the new Bumble now. I feel like Who Art Ed? We'll to splice it. Who we'll Art Ed? Mr. Wood <laughs> Art Ed V. Yes. Either way, it, it's ambiguous. It, it works on so many levels. I know. That's a great start. Welcome to Who Arted, where we explore visual arts in an audio medium. I'm your host, Kyle Wood, and today we're going to be looking at Arthur Boyd. Remember, you can always see an image of the work discussed in the episode if you're listening on Amazon Music, Spotify, Good Pods, or anywhere else that supports episode-specific cover art. Also, right now, my network is conducting a listener survey. I really would appreciate if you could take a few minutes to support the show by filling out the survey— Telling the network a little bit about yourself, what your interests are, and all of that helps us to find sponsors that you might actually be interested in, but also on the survey, you have the opportunity to give me a little bit of constructive feedback, which I really appreciate. And as an added bonus, by filling it out, you'll be entered to win a $500 Amazon gift card as our way of saying thank you. Now, on to the actual topic for today's episode, Arthur Boyd. Arthur Boyd came from an artistic family. His father was a potter, his mother was a painter. He grew up in Murrumbina, Melbourne, and his home life sounds very nice. His parents gave him a lot of space to explore and experiment. Sounds like what we might call free-range parenting today. He developed an interest in painting, and he taught himself quite a bit just through experimentation. While he's generally considered to have been mostly self-taught, he did actually have some formal classes in art. He studied at the National Gallery School from 1935 to 1936. Of course, as the 1940s rolled around and with it World War II, Boyd joined the army starting in 1941. He met the love of his life, Yvonne Lenny, at an art class in 1942, and they were married a short time later, 1945. The two of them were concerned about social issues. She was a pacifist and for some time a part of the Communist Party. Boyd shared a number of her inclinations with regard to social justice, but he wasn't that active in politics. He focused on painting and specifically trying to make works that would raise ethical concerns such as like how people were treated with the in-groups and out-groups. He did a a series of paintings on um it's referred to often as the bride series where he focused on his subject as being a mixed-race figure and talking about how, you know, that figure was rejected by the white community as well as the indigenous community, and that issue of how people are treating other people based on those superficial qualities. He was also really interested in trying to portray the futility of war as somebody who saw it firsthand. He was traumatized by those types of experiences. Another common strain in his work was the paradoxical sort of beauty and fragility of nature, along with its sometimes devastating power. One of the strategies he would often employ in these compositions to get at these sort of abstract notions was the placement of a figure as a witness to the scene within the composition. We not only see the scene play out, but we see the ripple effects. In my full episode about Arthur Boyd, I was talking to Matthew Bliss, host of the Dead Drop podcast, a video game podcast for those who are interested. We were talking about the painting Nebuchadnezzar on fire falling over a waterfall. That was a painting that was born out of a couple of things, including Arthur Boyd's experience as being the witness to a scene. Now he obviously did not witness Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was the biblical figure from the book of Daniel. Um basically the short version of that story is Nebuchadnezzar was sort of full of himself and he was he was the villain of the piece and he was punished, sent off into the wilderness where he essentially lived like a beast and became almost inhuman, it describes him as you know, having his fingernails go out like claws of a bird and stuff like that. He essentially becomes part man and part beast in isolation in the wilderness. But the real-life event that Arthur Boyd was processing through his painting was when he was in London during the time of the Vietnam War. He witnessed a self-immolation protest. He witnessed firsthand somebody light themselves on fire in protest of the Vietnam War. Now, Even before that, Arthur Boyd was an outspoken critic of war, and specifically the Vietnam War. But that incident and bearing witness to such pain and devastation, it traumatized him. He said he had to make this series of works. He he actually made a series of um, 30-some-odd paintings of Nebuchadnezzar, but he said he made those as a way of unseeing the horrors that he had borne witness to. I think one of the most interesting things about this Nebuchadnezzar on fire painting is in the biblical account, Nebuchadnezzar was never on fire. In In this painting, Arthur Boyd is referencing the Old Testament to the Bible, but also he drew a parallel with Icarus, who flew too close to the sun and burned his wings and came crashing down. And at the same time, he's putting it in the landscape of the Australian bush. It's this mashup, this synthesis of these different ideas that really was Arthur Boyd's brilliance. He's taking some of the stylistic elements of Impressionism and Expressionism, those European traditions, but putting a distinctly Australian spin on it. Throughout a lot of his work, he was seeking to put a distinctly Australian spin on it. He loved his native Australia and often incorporated scenes of the outback in there. In 1993, Boyd gifted Bundanon, his home with 2700 acres to Australia. His home and studio are now an arts organization and trust with a collection of generations of Boyd artists, among others. It's a museum, it offers classes to artists of all ages, it has artists in residence programs, but also it is an absolutely massive space dedicated to environmental preservation. And I think that's the ultimate legacy of Boyd. In his paintings, he drew inspiration from mythology, from his religion, and from his firsthand experiences. He used his painting as a a means of almost therapy, but also communicating his ideas and his vision and his passion for social justice, environmentalism, and all of that And I think that's why it's so beautiful and fitting and perfect that he gave not only his paintings, but his studio, his home. He gave everything he had to not only preserve a bit of the environment, but also to make the world just a little bit better for the generations to come.